So Money Episode 1170, How to Kick Your Amazon Habit or Just Spend with More Conviction with Julie Scalfo. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. No matter how much money you have, I think is what are your values? And and can you spend your money in accordance with those values? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, kicking off the week with an episode on how to spend in alignment with our values once and for all. Maybe like me, you're a little embarrassed about your Amazon spending habits. Uh, You don't want to know how many boxes we counted over the holidays. Not to mention we shop at Whole Foods, which is owned by Amazon. Not to mention I happen to use Twitter, which pays Amazon millions of dollars a month. And so it's kind of hard to escape and avoid Amazon. But as my guest today, who is banning Amazon, says, it can be done. Our guest is Julie Skelfo. She is an award-winning writer, journalist, and author, also a mom of three living in New York City. Why and how she ultimately decided to kick the Amazon habit is where we begin our discussion. And look, maybe you love Amazon. That's totally your choice. I'm not going to quit Amazon today either. But I think that this interview reveals how we can spend more thoughtfully and put our dollars where our mouth is. If we're somebody who believes in supporting small business, believes in being an ally, believes in workers' rights, it matters where you spend. So I'm very proud of this conversation and I hope we have more talks like this. Definitely gave me pause and I hope you'll enjoy it. Here's Julie Scalfo. Julie Scalfo, welcome to So Money. Very fascinated and impressed with your Amazon boycott. I want you to tell us all about it. But first, just welcome to the show. It's so nice to be connected. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. So listeners know what we're going to talk about. I hope they're looking forward to this as much as I am to learn about your process, your thinking, and your application of not using Amazon. I know in our house, it's, I'll admit, the go-to store that we we use for a lot of things, groceries, houseware, toys. But before all of that, would just love for you to tell us a little about yourself. And I know that you're a mom and you're a professional and you live in New York. So so give us a little bit of uh, who Julie is so we can better understand maybe the, the challenges that come with not shopping at Amazon. Uh, it's funny to me to think that the two things may be linked, but I am... A mom. I'm a writer. I'm a journalist. I live in New York City. I've been here heading towards 30 years. I'm a homeowner. I not only have three kids, but I have three boys. So I find myself being a sports mom a lot of the time. And I'm a consumer who really cares about the environment and really cares about who's getting my money. And so I think one thing you might not know about me is that this isn't the first time I've boycotted a store. You know, years ago, I noticed the gap was opening up all over Manhattan and I would see them everywhere. And at one time I called and found out there were something like 89 gaps on the island of Manhattan. And that was just below 96th street. So I don't even know what was above. I made up my mind that I was just not going to shop at the gap. 
because there were so many mom and pop stores still in existence at that time. And I didn't want my money going to this chain if there was a possibility of keeping these other stores going. So I've always tried to spend my dollars in line with my values, but it's not so easy. And I I remember the night, actually, I was like working really late at the office and I had to go on a work trip the next morning. I think it was after I had been pregnant or something. I literally did not have a pair of jeans and I had to have one and there's nothing else open. There's nowhere else to go. And I was like, fine, that's it. You know? And and I was like, but it's people, my friends would laugh at me sometimes because they didn't know why I was doing it. And my sister would tease, she teases me. She's like, Julie, you know, you can't change the world by yourself. And, And I know she's right. But at the same time, I also know that if we collectively make different decisions, it can have a really big impact. Are you working from home right now and all of the things in the pandemic? What's what's going on with your career and three boys? I mean, five people under one house. I, I don't even want to. I do want to know what's going on. <laughs> well, it's five people. Actually, it's six. Uh, a friend of mine has been living with us since March. We have a guest room and she had asked if we could stay here and then COVID happened. So she's just been here the whole time. Plus, we have a cat. Um, and I apologize if you hear some noise in the background. My husband's actually working from home and seated a few feet away so that you might hear that and you know at any time a screaming child might come in the room so i apologize in advance totally get it you hear totally noise. Get it. i did hear a little bit of rumbling but i i, I figured it was all out of necessity because that is life right now that is life and we so appreciate you making time for us in your in the corner of your home and um this is i really want to share your story because i think it can inspire. And I know that when we're talking about taking down Amazon, although that's not what this is about for me, just more about how to more spend with conviction, it does help to have the power of the collective. And we're talking about Amazon. I was just reading like, it's going to take more than just some people boycotting, right? Uh, Because of just the nature of the business. And there's articles on it and it's not so straightforward. Uh, but, But tell us about why Amazon for you, why Amazon was the next boycott. And then we'll talk about how you're working your way through it. Well, you know, you asked me a few questions, so I'll I'll, I'll answer them all if I can remember them all. But, you know, what I've been doing, I'm a journalist. I wrote a book called The Women Who Made New York that came out a couple of years ago, and it's been optioned for a TV show. So I've been working on that project. You know, I'm very interested in the issue of media literacy, and I'm trying to rebrand it as media savvy, because when you say media literacy, people's eyes gloss over and they fall asleep because it sounds so boring. But I think that so many of today's social problems are linked to the fact that we're living in such a deranged information environment and everybody's overwhelmed and overloaded. Our nervous systems are literally in fight or flight all of the time. And so anxiety levels are through the roof. And I think we're not going to have any kind of sanity anymore until we all understand how media works and are able to get it under control. So that's how I spend most of my time, but just as probably spend the same amount of time, I, I haven't actually quantified it, you know, running my life. And in the course of my life, I am a caretaker, not only for my family, but for a lot of individuals and groups. People come to me asking for help with different types of projects. I, I volunteer my time for a lot of feminist causes, for a lot of justice causes and anti-racist work, and just work with people behind the scenes a lot after so many years in the media, trying to facilitate getting more diverse voices into the public sphere. So that includes 
working with the Op-Ed Project, which is this amazing organization that helps people whose voices are sort of marginalized in the world use them more effectively and get heard more effectively by the media. So that's where I spend most of my time. But my whole life, you know, I've had this idea before I even knew how to really articulate it. And that is that I think we should value people and we should show respect for all people and all types of work. So I've hated the way our world has sort of privileged, you know, movie stars and celebrities and doctors and lawyers. I mean, I think those things are important. And I have the deepest respect for people who, you know, endure medical school or get PhDs. And, you know, I I think it's even fine if we want to sort of compensate that type of commitment in a greater way than we do the types of profession that have lower commitments. At the same time, you can't have a surgery in an operating room that isn't clean. And we need janitors and we need cooks and we need nurses and we need stenographers and, and we need to value people and recognize that labor needs to be valued. So that's something that I, I don't know why it's just always been part of who I am. And I don't like it when I see people are not being valued. So, you know, to get to your question about Amazon, you know, we started talking about the gap and, you know, one of the things that made me stop shopping at the gap, in addition to the sort of takeover of the Island that I love of Manhattan, but it was seeing this beautiful girl's shirt, this little blouse, you know, like a toddler 2T or something. And it was white cotton and had colorful hand embroidered flowers all over it. And it was on sale for like $5.99. And I thought, you know, how could that be? I mean, this was 20 years ago already, but it just made no sense. You know, there's no way that the work of growing this cotton, harvesting the cotton, cleaning it, producing a usable fabric, designing a pattern, cutting it, sewing it, (laughs) manufacturing it, stitching stitching the design packing the clothing shipping the clothing unpacking it getting it to the store putting it on the rack all of the human labor that entailed could add up to less than 599 it's just not rational and so you know there's a problem in our system you with me yes okay <laughs> i'm there i'm, okay. I'm with you okay. I'm, I'm that woman who's looking at that 599 tag going i should get 3 of these i uh, well you know what i am too i'm not denying that right so you know there's a there's a writer um, isaac fitzgerald and and on twitter once i saw him refer to the fact that he's done a lot of he said i've done a lot of class mobility in my my lifetime and i love the way he expressed that and i think that fits with sort of my own experience because my parents had me when they were very young. They didn't have a lot of money. My dad was an aspiring rock star. And after they got married, he was like, huh, I guess I better get a job. They literally flipped a coin, I think is how they told the story. But they they figured out that he liked to work with his hands and he either was going to be a carpenter or a dentist. And somehow he made his way through dental school and became a dentist, but he hadn't had a lot of money to go. They had a lot of debt. And, you know, one of my mom's sort of most painful memories was of being so poor when my sister and I were little and she took us for a holiday photo at JC Penney's that she didn't have any nice clothes for us to wear. And the photographer was like, well, let's just borrow something they could put on during the shoot and you could put it back because she didn't have the money to buy anything. Right. And so I've had, you know, I've gone from that to eventually having growing up with, you know, we were never hungry, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of affluence to eventually having what I would call a privileged 
life. And then now as an adult through, you know, coincidence of luck and chance, you know, my husband, who is the son of a knife sharpener, ends up becoming a very accomplished attorney and working for a law firm where he is very well compensated. And for the last few years, you know, we've lived a very privileged life. So, you know, I've seen all these different perspectives, but at the core of it, no matter how much money you have, I think is what are your values and and can you spend your money in accordance with those values? Well, speaking of privilege in in talking about this idea with my editors, uh, my editor at at Next Advisor, where we're going to be publishing some of this um, conversation there as well. You know, he, he wanted to ask me to ask you about what you thought with regards to having privilege and doing a boycott of some sort, a shopping boycott, because it is a bit of a privilege, right? To say, I'm I'm in a position where I can now choose where I'm going to spend. People choose Amazon mostly before because it's convenient and it's the cheapest. And with so many people living paycheck to paycheck, it's sort of it's the go-to. It's what they can afford. And they don't maybe have the time to browse other places. And right now, everything's online. But if we weren't in a pandemic, maybe it meant like going and leaving and finding the time to shop at the local store. But that again is a privilege. So time and money, um, how do you work around this if you're not somebody who feels they are in a position to be able to actually do this affordably? Well, I think that's a false construction. I mean, there is privilege involved in making a choice. When you don't have a choice, you know, uh, I'm not sitting here passing judgment on anybody who doesn't have a choice about what they need to do to survive. But to the extent that people have choices about where they spend their money, I mean, we can look at the Walmart example. You know, if you go back and you look at, I'm not sure if it was Walmart or Sam's Club, but there are these horrendous stories about sort of how their business model became a success. And the owner of the store would bargain wholesalers, producers of goods down and down and down until they were just making pennies. So they could sell it at the absolute cheapest price. And as a consumer, you think, yay, that's really fantastic. But what happens when they've they've bargained people down so that they can't stay in business anymore? And then they're hiring employees that they're paying you know, substandard wages to who are then dependent on the government for food stamps and other benefits. You know, yes, we're all spending $2 less on the water bottle than if we had paid full price. But what is the ecological impact of that? You know, in the design world, they talk about cradle to cradle and sort of how to create design and products that, you know, can get reused and that don't harm the earth during its life cycle. And I think we're at a state as a society now that we have to think about costs, not only in the dollars that come out of our pocket, but the long-term effects. So, you know, another example is like plastic containers. We can save a lot of money and buy packaging things in plastic as opposed to glass. They're much lighter weight. You can ship them further at lower cost, that sort of thing. But we're only beginning to understand the extent to which plastics and the plasticizers that come off of them are causing irreparable harm to the environment. They are contributing to all kinds of medical conditions, early puberty, you know, lack of fertility, and all kinds of other problems that we're paying for in different ways. So there's nothing that we do that's with Without a cost. It's just figuring out where the cost is. So, you know, in terms of Amazon specifically, other people in my fam- family use Amazon and they feel that 
it's the only option. And I understand that feeling. But I also don't appreciate the way that Amazon has come in and undermined bookstores. As a writer, I, I know what it takes to produce a book. And I saw my book go on sale on Amazon before I had finished writing it yet. Mm. And I can't tell you what that feels like, that we live in a world where, you know, the value of something is just not connected at all to the price. The price has to do with an algorithm and the relationship between the warehouse and Amazon and all that kind of thing. So don't get me wrong. I, I love a bargain. One of the things about our world that's so messed up is that I think when you are affluent, that things become less expensive, right? You know, banks will give you loans at cheaper Celebrities rates. get things for free. Celebrities yes. get things for free. I mean, celebrities also have to pay for... Celebrities have headaches that... that we mere mortals can only imagine, but you know, you're right. And, and so like, if there's a deal on dishwashing detergent, you know, I'll buy 10 bottles and keep it around. So I don't have to go back to the store for six months. And that's a privilege. Mm -hmm. And I am to me, you know, I, I haven't, I think even felt my privilege as much as that kind of situation that like I can keep a pantry, you know, and have whatever I need there with children. That's one of the greatest luxuries of life. I feel like that I have, yeah. I, I have like, I buy band-aids in bulk. Okay. I buy detergent right. in bulk, you know, but like, look at Costco. I mean, Costco has ridiculously low prices. It's like a cooperative, you know, you buy a membership, you get a refund at the end of the year. And so is Amazon, like a few cents off of that, possibly. But there are other... You like Costco. Costco is good. Costco, we can feel good about for the most part. I, I mean, from everything that I... And again, I'm not an expert and I'm not somebody who is able to vet the ethics of every business. But if I see a woman-owned or like a BIPOC-owned you know, organization, I'll always want to support that. But also as someone who is married to a white man, has white children, you know, the world I'm trying to build is an inclusive world where everybody counts. So, you know, I'm looking at businesses and how they treat their workers. I'm looking at the quality of goods. You know, once I became a homeowner, I began to appreciate why certain things cost more. And I've learned that if you, you know, spend the money on that brass handle, it really will last 25 years as opposed to the garbage one that rusted yeah. after three years and had to be replaced, you know? So there's a lot so, of evaluations that go into this. You're absolutely right. Would love to spend our remainder on the show talking about how you have found substitutes for somebody who's listening and wants to follow in your footsteps and starting today. And I've actually, I think that for me, although I'm still collecting boxes from Amazon, I have started to take baby steps where I'm like, the books, yes, I go to the, I live in Montclair now. There's a wonderful bookstore, Wachung. I love books that bookstore. Yeah. And no, not everything's there. I have to wait weeks to forget to get like the cookbook that I want. But did I want to use the cookbook within 24 hours? No. So I, it, Amazon has tricked me into thinking that I need something in 24 hours when I absolutely don't or a prime, you know, delivery. So tell us a little bit about how you your journey? Was it right away to cold turkey or did you start little by little? And how have you found alternatives? Well, again, you know, it's not like maybe it's because I'm in my mid 40s, but I remember life before Amazon. There are plenty of stores out there. There's tons of e-commerce and there are a million different ways now that you can shop online and support local and independent stores. So I, you know, I'm a big fan of cities. 
I've read Jane Jacobs, The Death and Life, Great American Cities. And what makes a city great are mixed uses and having locally owned restaurants, shops, um, having places where artisans can can work and, and people can live. And, you know, unless we put our dollars towards that, then these cities dry up. And, you know, I, I live in a neighborhood in Brooklyn where we've experienced a lot of gentrification. And then a lot of landlords sort of wanted those big box retailers to come in or more banks or more pharmacies. And now, you know, their storefronts are sitting open. And also because of the change in the economy, a lot of stores, including a Barney's have closed up, you know, because people are not going to shop there every day. And so there are so many easy to find lists out there, black owned bookstores or indigenous beauty products, or there's so many ways to find interesting products. I love Etsy. You find stuff like that all the time because I love books so much and bookstores. You know, when I did my book tour, I basically did all my Christmas shopping while I was on book tour and I bought gifts at bookstores and that's where I did all my mm-hmm. Christmas shopping that year. So I just try to find, you know, for toilet paper, for example, for years now, I've been buying a product called Who Gives a crap, which is a really funny name. And it's this wonderful, beautifully designed toilet paper. I mean, I guess the toilet paper is not beautiful, but the wrap that it comes in, which is 100% recyclable, processed from bamboo, and it's good for the environment. And it's wrapped in this great packaging that you could actually reuse as wrapping paper with jokes on it. But the guy who started this company, who who I eventually met, even though I had no idea that it was his company when I signed up for it, half of the money that I spend on toilet paper goes to building toilets and bathrooms and plumbing Mm -hmm. in places in the world where they don't have that. So, you know, part of it is if if you're able to pay a little more, can you leverage that dollar to go towards something that's helping somebody else? But if you're not able to pay more, you can still price shop around online. There are online grocery stores. There was this wonderful website that Dana Cowan of Food and Wine put up called Giving Broadly. And it's a whole collection of small women-owned food businesses that launched during COVID. I've ordered so much food from that, all reasonably priced, all quality ingredients, things I want to feed my kids, but also it's supporting their business. I guess that's how that's how I found alternatives. I just I just look and God knows I can't wait for COVID to be over and to be able to go out shopping again. <laughs> go onto the streets. Yeah. Well when you're dealing with Amazon, which is a behemoth and they own Whole Foods now. They own Zappos. I was just reading that Amazon pays Twitter. I'm sorry, Twitter pays Amazon $16 million a month for Amazon web services. So then do you not go on Twitter? Do you not go get your shoes at Zappos, which apparently has a great employee-employer culture? People love working there. Their CEO, unfortunately, who passed away recently, was heralded as like one of the best founding CEOs ever for his leadership and leadership style. And so where do you draw the lines or are there no lines? That is such a good question. And I wish I had some perfect answer for you, but I don't think there is an answer. And I think it's something that we live in a consumer culture. We spend so much, we buy so much. And I feel like it's a constant struggle, even during this pandemic, 
one of the reasons I love New York City is because I love restaurant culture and dining out. And with the pandemic, we're not eating out. But at the same time, I know how deeply restaurants are struggling. So I've wanted to continue ordering takeout. At the same time, I am horrified by all of the waste it creates and all of the plastic, the single-use plastic. So for example, there's a sushi place near my house where my family loves to get dinner once a week. And I'd ask them, if I bring my own platter to you, will you just put it on their family style? And, and they said, yes. So we have a relationship with these people. We've known them a long time. And I think that there are ways to sort of live in accordance with your values. Is that an extra hassle? Yes. You know, the other night when I was really busy and on deadline and I couldn't do that, did we just get regular takeout? We did. But I guess at this point, I'm not really, I'm not so much into the purity tests as I am. What can each of us do every day to nudge things back to a little more normalcy? You know, Amazon, I, I didn't, I didn't know about Amazon stake and Twitter. I had no idea about that. You know, Amazon is so expensive. They they actually have web services that, you know, companies use. Um, and Twitter pays, according to this article on Medium that Justin Ward wrote, he's a journalist. I'll put this link on our site because it's a really interesting article about how why boycotting Amazon won't work. It's a bit, bit skeptical. Um, but yeah, they pay nearly $16 million a month to Amazon. One thing that this article that Justin wrote really taught me was not so much that we should stop boycotting, although he he posits that it's not an quote unquote enough for even if a hundred million of us stop using Amazon, like it's not going to really move the needle. But what can really move the needle and what's been evidenced to move the needle is when politicians get in the way of their plans to say expand. We saw, for example, in New York, Amazon canceled its plans to build a headquarters in Queens after pushback from New Yorkers. And that was because of certain politicians, right? Who were put in office because of voters. So vote with your money, but also your vote. Vote with your vote. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the politics of all this are really interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's so, the, these situations in society are so complex. And I recognize that industry and businesses have enabled a lot of growth. They provide jobs and that's not insignificant. But, you know, I live in this neighborhood that still mercifully has some mom and pop stores and there's a pet food store with a sign in the window. It said, you know, when you shop here, you are not helping someone buy their second home. You're helping us put food on the table, like locally owned. And so for me, me, it's just about perspective. And this idea of immediate gratification, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, this idea that we need something in 24 hours, you know, my kids, another thing that made me really rethink using Amazon was my kids had seen us buy things a few times when we need them. And then they arrive the next day. And then the kids kind of casually come down, they're like, I want to buy a this. And then when it doesn't arrive the next day, they're horrified. And it's like, well, wait a minute, that's not normal. <laughs> Okay. And I don't want to live in a world where the expectation is that you snap your fingers and the Pokemon toy from the other side of the world shows up the next morning. Like that's kind of a crazy expectation to have about everything, you know? Mm. And, and this is, we're, we're already a New York city family. So we're, we're accustomed to having access to so many things you know, night and day, but to have this kind of immediate gratification, I think is really 
really troubling and, and certainly not worth putting people's lives at risk. I mean, you, you saw what happened over the holidays, um, mm-hmm. FedEx workers, UPS workers, just complaining about the condition and the volume of deliveries they needed to make. I mean, what about the pollution? What about the vehicles? You know, there, there are effects of all these choices. Yeah. And I think the pandemic has really, at least in our household, taught us the benefits of slowing down. We miss a lot of the conveniences of being able to say, leave your home and do you know, get a cup of coffee inside a coffee house. But at the same time, this moment has really taught us the importance of taking a moment and reflecting and realizing you learn a lot about yourself when you're stuck at home. And you also learn a lot about the habits that you want to break. And what I'm learning from you, Julie, is it's been really enlightening. I think that the mindset, the right mindset for somebody who's listening to this and wants to get on board, who might feel like, okay, well, I could buy, boycott Amazon, but will it even move the needle? Maybe it won't move the needle in Amazon's world, but it will move the needle in a small business person's world, in a small mom and pop shop's world, in a world where you're a single mom running a shop in New York City or anywhere in the country. Giving them your dollars is will have a bigger impact than you taking away your dollars from Amazon, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the... Well that's said. It. That well said. I mean, that's right. I think, I think, you know, if, if you don't know people who own stores and who are small business people, then you don't understand why things cost what they cost. You know, it's like when you visit a doctor and the bill is so high, you're not just paying for your 15 minute visit, you're paying for the rent, you're paying for the overhead, the insurance, all of those things. And I think earlier in my life, I didn't appreciate that. You know, I remember once complaining when I was a teenager, complaining to my uncle about how expensive the sandwiches were at the airport. I think they were eight or nine dollars. And I just thought this was a fortune. And he said, really, I think that's cheap. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, think about it. They have to prepare these and bring them here and the staff and the overhead. And of course I hadn't thought of any of those things, right? Cause I had never, I had never done anything. I had never built anything. I had never been responsible for anything. And so, you know, people whose livelihood is a single Etsy business or a single bookstore supporting them makes a huge difference. And I think that's something that, that has gotten lost in the busy, insane, achievement-oriented lifestyle. If you're not connected to your neighbors and your community and you don't, you don't know, you know, I know my dry cleaner, you know, I know he's got three kids. I know his business really slowed down during COVID and I know he's really appreciative of our business. So having relationships with people, I think makes a big difference. Julie Skelfo, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. I knew this was going to be eye-opening. I just appreciate you. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad you tackled these topics. It's something all of us, I think, need to think more about. Thanks so much to Julie for joining us. You can learn more about Julie at julieskelfo.com. More links on our website where you can learn about her book and watch her TED Talk. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you back here on Wednesday. Until then, I hope your day is so money.